Hi, welcome to the first episode of our first series of Venture Out. My name is Dylan Fontaine, and I will be your host for this series. If you haven't already, uh, give our introductory episode a listen. And in that episode, we discuss the purpose behind Venture Out and introduce our team. And so we've really structured our podcast to take a form of series because we truly have some great speakers who have a lot to share in the first series. It'll be centered around student entrepreneurship. And for those listening, student entrepreneurship to us is simply dedicating the time to start your business or venture while being a student. And we believe student entrepreneurship is quite a unique position because at least in college, we have some flexibility and schedule that allows us to pursue such ventures, but also so much going on at the same time. So it's easy to become distracted. Additionally, for most, we have bills to pay and starting your own business doesn't always cover your costs. However, it can be considered one of the more rewarding times to begin a venture because we're surrounded by such a large entrepreneurial ecosystem and young enough to make mistakes and learn from them, often without dire consequences. So to speak uh, on student entrepreneurship, we've invited Ellie Minershagen of Acute Access to join us. Welcome, Ellie. Hello. So I have known Ellie for two years now, and she is such an inspiring young entrepreneur, uh, truly self-made. For those who have not met Ellie before, Ellie is a 20-year-old entrepreneur, entrepreneur excuse me, from Frisco, Texas, and currently she's a sophomore attending Baylor University, double majoring in marketing and cello performance. Last year, Ellie was one of 20 student entrepreneurs in the Hancomer School of Business's OSO Launch Program, which is a cohort consisting of mentorship, networking, business planning, and practical entrepreneurship exercises. And this past spring, she placed second actually in the OSO Launch Virtual Elevator Pitch Competition, which is very impressive. Uh, through the program, Ellie created her brand, Acute Accents, a handmade clay earring business that sold nearly 1,000 pieces of custom, 1,000 pieces, excuse me, to customers in 40 U.S. states and 50 Texas cities in just the last year and a half. And again, Ellie, I just want to say welcome, and we are excited to have you today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So before we dive deeper into your experience, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about yourself? Sure, yeah. So I think you mentioned a little bit, but I am a double major, so I play the cello um, and I, I teach some students. I'm part of the Baylor Symphony Orchestra. Um, I play you know, wedding gigs and at church and stuff like that, um, which is really cool. Um, and then I also, I in high school, I, I sort of got interested in business um, when I created this project selling mums um, and they were made from real flowers. Um, and then I partnered with Local Florist uh, to design them. Um, and then we donated all the proceeds to charity. So that was kind of my first experience um, learning how a business works and how to do marketing and um, advertising and all the stuff like that. So those skills really transferred when I started creating this business as a freshman. So you've always been kind of entrepreneurial is what it sounds like, right? Yeah, I think so. I think even like in elementary school, I was trying to sell like rainbow loom bracelets and duct tape bags and stuff like that. That's that's good. I mean, I think a, a lot of people are introduced to entrepreneurship early on through those types of experiences. And it's it's fun that you had a larger one in, in high school, but you were also, I mean, still 
thinking of student entrepreneurship, like that was one of your first student entrepreneurship ventures. Um, mm -hmm. and, and talking about being able to make mistakes and learn, you probably did, which has helped you in acute accent. So, so taking that experience, I mean, to Baylor, right? I'll ask because you're from DFW, why, why Baylor? So I was looking at um, several different schools, especially in Texas, I wanted to stay close to home, but I really liked that Baylor has like um, a smaller class size. Um, and I think I really benefited from that in just being a part of the OSA launch program and in the business school. I think they just give you so much more attention to your individual product projects. And um, I don't know, I think they, they, it's a little bit more personal when their class sizes are smaller like that. So that was a big draw for me. And also I wanted to be able to play with the cello. So <laughs> it's nice that they have the secondary major program to be able to, you know, be double majoring in two different schools. Um, as in like the business school and the music school. So that was kind of, those were kind of the main reasons why I wanted to come to Baylor. Um, and of course, it's nice that my orchestra director was from Baylor. So <laughs> that kind of made me want to come and I came to the music camps and stuff. So I was familiar with this faculty, which is right. great. Yeah, Ellie, so thanks for telling us about Baylor. I mean, you had mentioned the OSA launch program uh, in addition to being a double major in cello performance, is there anything else that you're involved in? Yeah, so I'm actually currently a community leader or a CL, um, which is basically an RA if you don't go to Baylor and you know what that is. But um, yeah, so I work at U Parks um, and it's really great. I love being able to be a part of my residents' lives and like help them transition. Um, we have a lot of transfer students and international students. Um, so it's just great to be like a welcoming force for them at Baylor. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And so thanks for telling us about your, your Baylor experience. That That's very helpful when speaking about student entrepreneurship because it shows that we're not just, you know, business owners or, or founders of startups, but we're also, you know, students too who are, who are taking a full course load and involved in, in other activities and and oftentimes we get pulled in many different directions and sometimes these are the forces that do it. So I wanna transition into acute accents. Just start by, by telling us what is it? How did you start it? Why did you start it? Maybe where? And if you have a team, what does your team look like? Sure. So acute accents is my handmade clay earring business. Um, I started it back in like July of 2019. Um, right before my freshman year of college. I, as a middle schooler, it's taking me a little back, but um, as a middle schooler, I had an American Girl doll online persona and I sold these little clay pastries, basically. They were like little cookies and cakes and cupcakes and stuff like that. Um, and so I sold those on Etsy. So I actually kind of know the platform a little bit because of that, um, but that's how I started working with clay. And then, you know, before my freshman year of um, college, I was, just curious if I could remake those things. Um, and so I bought some clay just for fun to like play around. I don't know, I was bored. And then I was like, you know, maybe I could actually make this into jewelry instead of something that no one can use. So <laughs> I, I figured out how to make earrings out of the clay instead. Um, and yeah, it, it started as just like a side little project and I sold them on Instagram and just locally, I would drop them off to my friends. Um, and then I, I thought, it, you know, when I went to college, I wasn't going to have time for it, but I was able to join the OSO launch program 
Um, and they helped me to kind of grow that business and get connected with like local Waco members. Um, and so I started participating in some local markets. And then when we were sent home for, um, you know, coronavirus with like quarantine, I had to figure out how to do that virtually or just online since we couldn't meet in person. Um, and so that's when I opened my Etsy shop and I've been selling online and in person as we've come back um, ever since, which is cool. So, so what, it, what it sounds like is you really didn't, I mean, you started it for fun and that was kind of kind of one of your hobbies. At what point did you realize that, hey, I could probably make some, uh, you know, make some money doing this? Uh, at what point was that? You know, I think, honestly, it was sort of at the beginning because I'm very money motivated, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so I, I wanted to figure out, I think like at first I was thinking maybe I could make those clay pastries into like photo clip holders or even earrings, but just that, that that would be too heavy the way that they were shaped. Um, and so I started looking under like hashtags on Instagram for like polymer clay. And that's when I discovered the earrings. And then I was like, oh, wow, people are really good at these things. And also like, you can make pretty decent money. <laughs> so um, yeah, and I sold them for like very little at the beginning, just because I was making them for friends and stuff. Um, and then over time, I was able to produce so many that I, I felt like it was it was a more sustainable business idea. Yeah, and so are, are you doing all of this yourself, or do you have a team that supports you? Or that so you work for the with? most part, um, I do have a business coach now, Gib Reynolds, um, and he's awesome from Startup Waco. I meet with him once a week, um, and he's given me a lot of good direction. But in terms of like the actual creation of the product and like um, all the marketing and stuff, that's all me, which. <laughs> can be a lot sometimes. So it's been good to like take a holiday shop break because um, it's a one man show. So <laughs> yeah. One, one woman show. One right. woman show, yes. <laughs> so, so thanks for filling us in for those who don't know what acute accents uh, is. Let, let's dive into student entrepreneurship now. Um, student entrepreneurship really is important because it's one of the most intensive learning experiences we can have, truthfully. There's no better way to learn about business than, of course, trying to start your own. Because through uh, through each start, I think you learn something. That, more than just each start, but each each fail, you learn something. And, and to be a student and fail is, it can be valuable. But for you, you've, you've probably had a lot of road, roadblocks that you've run into, but you've also seen a lot of success. And so I want to hear from your perspective as a student, what is it like being a student entrepreneur? Um, you know, there's ups and downs. I think for one, it's it can be at times kind of difficult to balance being a full-time student and then also working on this project and also like having a, just another side job um, just to pay for things. So it's, it's tough to balance in that sense. Um, I've definitely had some exhausting weekends because now I participate in like the Waco Handmade Farmers Market and the uh, Waco Eastside Markets pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. And when they're back to back, it is pretty tough to, <laughs> to do like full days at the markets and then also have homework. Um, this final season was hard because I had a final like the same day as I had a market and had to drop off a wholesale <laughs> Like it can pile up. So um, that's definitely a challenge, but I think like time management is just key. Um, 
and figuring that out. Right. So you said time management. Is there any, is, is that just being very disciplined with your, with your time? Is that how you manage it? But while we can manage our time, like emotionally, how do you handle that type of stress? Like, like we kind of alluded to, we have multiple forces pulling us in different directions and that can often be tough for students, especially younger students who may have uh, come to a university that they're not familiar with or, or come from out of state. Maybe they don't have a, a network or a um, more or less a support group that they can fall back on. So how do you handle that emotionally? That's a great question. Um, I think that it's really important. And I didn't even realize, I think last year when I got involved with the OSO launch, I just thought that sounded interesting, but I didn't realize um, how helpful that would be in connecting me to so many resources and also just like the greater Waco area. Um, because I do think it's really important to get plugged into your city and to your, um, your university because um, they have so many good resources and connections for you available. And if you don't take advantage of that, then like you're missing out. But um, I think that was really important for me to do because otherwise, yeah, you're, you're, you don't have that support system and you don't have those connections to help you um, to find out. Like I wouldn't have known like where to sell locally. Um, and now it, it keeps building, I guess. So like one person will introduce me to someone else who wants like my earrings sold in their boutique or something, um, which is super cool. And so I think it's really important to find good friends who can support you with that, but also to find good um, like mentors and um, like other student entrepreneurs, like a network of that to be able to help you in your venture um, and support you through those those challenges of being able to balance everything. Right, yeah, I, I think that, find, like you had said, finding that support group or network, whether it be a mentor, like for example, for you, who's Gib, um, or just a friend group that you can use as a sounding board. I think that's incredibly important. So for our listeners, we, we have students on who may be thinking about starting their own business and often starting your own business comes a lot of challenges. So maybe can you tell us about some of the challenges that you've faced or some roadblocks that you've hit along your journey? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think with um, anytime I've sold anything, uh, <laughs> it is difficult, especially um, with understanding your audience. And so I think at the beginning, I just was putting stuff out on Instagram, but a lot of users of Instagram <laughs> and so it's really important to kind of refine your your niche or your niche I don't know how to say that <laughs> but um, to to really narrow down who your target audience is um, and also understanding price point because I, I think still I struggle Gib was really helpful in calculating like my cost of production and also factoring in your own time <laughs> because especially because my, my products are all handmade, um, that takes a lot of time. And it, it, you know, it varies how much time I spend in a piece, but I know at the beginning I was selling my earrings for like $10, which is insane it, with free shipping also. Um, shipping is never free, never do free shipping <laughs> because you, know, you have to pay for the time that it takes to get you to the post office. You have to pay for all the packaging, you have to pay for like the postage, it's it's expensive so <laughs> you should always charge for shipping 
but um I also think that yeah just like in terms of like my cost of production like I wasn't making very much and so it honestly probably wasn't worth my time but I was just enjoying it it was a hobby at the beginning but um now I've realized like you do your time is so valuable and if you're spending you know 30 minutes to an hour in a piece like you have to calculate that into your cost um and I think I I realized that as I started to expand because um yeah as you mentioned I've sold about a thousand pieces now which is insane to think about that I've actually handmade a thousand pieces <laughs> or more um and so I think it's it was really important like as I started to grow and I started to sell like a hundred a month um that's really difficult and that takes a lot of time um and so I, I needed to factor that into my pricing um and if you lose customers I mean it's it's it is what it is because also though if they're paying more then it's like it's it's going to be okay so, right. um, so you'll be okay um overall but yeah that was definitely an issue i ran into because i just was not pricing my items correctly and um it was really exhausting because i would sell so many and then it would be like way too much for me to handle in a week on top of schoolwork and other things so that was a problem i think also it's it's difficult to understand um like the social media and etsy algorithms i think uh, it was really helpful. I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on, on how to understand like SEO and things like that. And I I downloaded this um, or I, I got a subscription to this thing called eRank, which basically shows you like popular Etsy tags and attributes um, that you can use for your products that will generate viewers um, because you can really work Etsy. And I think at the beginning, it'll tell you the it'll tell you the breakdown of how many people come to your site through you and how many people came through random Etsy searches. Mm -hmm. And so it was really helpful for me with getting E-Rank because I realized my tags sucked and <laughs> they were terrible and nobody was searching those things. And so it really helped me to figure out what are people actually looking for and then title my products that way. Um, and then it, it's really helped with my traffic on my site. So now Etsy brings me about 70 to 80 percent of my customers whereas in the beginning it was like you know i was bringing that 70 to 80 percent um through instagram and things like that and then also you know instagram hashtags super valuable i really need to learn how to use tiktok so i can't speak to that <laughs> but instagram and facebook they're really great tools um if you know how to use them right so i think it's it's really valuable to just spend some time playing around with hashtags looking up under hashtags what other you know, similar sellers use because we're all selling on the same places. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good. And I think also um, just getting to know people and creating a community is so important. Um, I've, I've gotten this advice from a lot of other sellers is that you don't want to just seem like you're pushing a product all the time because that gets old and like, I don't really follow, you know, Instagrammers like that. You, you want to create a brand and a personality that is partly about you and partly about your community that makes people feel more invited in and they're part of something greater than just, you know, they're buying a product from you. So I think it's important to utilize all of, you know, social media functions like stories, you know, IGTV, live, whatever those kinds of things, um, so that you can really engage with your audience. Because I really wasn't doing that at the beginning, especially since it was just my friends. I didn't feel like it was necessary for me to like, establish some kind of brand because they already knew who I was. But now that I have a bigger audience, not everyone knows who I am. So I think it's good to just 
make that a reminder by saying, you know, thank you for your support. Thank you for following me and for coming out to my events or for just checking out my site. Like it's important to thank your audience and your customers, especially um, for, you know, giving you the, the platform that you have. So and that wasn't, I guess, like a problem, but I, I, it's just a, a growth area that I've, I've learned more about. And I think also um, with my, my mom challenge, that was different because when I first started it out, I did it for four years. Um, and when I first started, I had no product. And so I was trying to sell just the concept, which was really difficult, but I used, I created a whiteboard video and I put it on YouTube um, and like the news picked it up, which was really cool. So it has like 30,000 views. Um, but that really helped to like visualize things for people because I didn't actually have an item to show. Whereas like with my earrings, it's really easy to just mm -hmm. uh, put that online. Um, but that was more conceptual and like showing where the, the money would go for charity and, and things like that. I needed to kind of map that out for people to see visually. So I think if you have something that's more techie or if you have a product that's um, or like a service, it's, it's good to be able to create um, very clear advertising in a visual sense, just because you don't have a visual product to show, if that makes sense. So that's one thing I had to learn. Um, I guess one, one other thing is it's not, it's not a problem, but I, I, I realize that people have really short attention spans. Um, I used to create a lot of videos for my mom project and some of them are too long. The first, that, that whiteboard video was like a minute. And so that was really easy to share. But when I created them like beyond two, that gets too long for people. And I know that sounds so short, but even I, when I'm on a YouTube video, if it's over 10 minutes, like I don't really wanna click on it. <laughs> that seems like too long of a commitment to me. So I think it's really valuable to shorten and like just be really concise with your advertising, even even the wordiness on stories, like I hate clicking through people's stories where they're like so tiny <laughs> and they have like 20 different posts. I think it's really good to have just a couple sentences, make it really clear and easy for people to read um, because they will click off, like you'll just lose people's attention. And it's also interesting um, to use, you know, Instagram and YouTube and like Facebook analytics and things like that to understand like how long people look at your site as well and like how far they scroll. On Etsy, I really had to play around with like reorganizing the the best sellers to like stay at the top, so people would see that first in my site. Um, and also, I bring kind of sprinkle the other ones throughout, so that it's not like all my I don't, I don't have any bad products, but not as best selling products at the end, you know, to keep people interested. But you really have to think about those things and and just play around with it. So it kind of depends on every business, but. Um, those are definitely some some problems, I guess, I encountered and I was able to <laughs> find some solutions to over time, but there's always something that will come up. Um, I think also market saturation is really difficult. Um, I'm selling a product that is not uncomfortable, not that it's not difficult to make, but that there are a lot of sellers, especially online. So on Etsy, you really, you know, you have to be specific and intentional about those tags like I was talking about and about what you're making. And I think even in Waco, I've noticed there are um, more people selling not just jewelry, but specifically clay jewelry, which is really cool. And it's a community for sure. But also I, I think it's important to differentiate your product and make it clear what your your overall brand like color scheme is and um, the, the quality of your materials and kind of um, 
I don't know, those kinds of things. It's, a, it's just really important to differentiate yourself, especially when there are so many sellers and there are so many people like Etsy, um, you know, the hashtag has like 40 million posts under it. So that's another thing is with hashtags, I feel like I'm talking all over the place, but with hashtags, you should make sure to do some that are in those millions, but mostly stick with like 200 to 700,000 posts. Those are like the, the target frame because it's not too small of the amount of people looking and there's not too large. So you can actually be noticed, noticed on those hashtags. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really important to create a unique product and um, make a make a space for yourself. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. So what I captured from that were essentially like five overarching roadblocks that you had to face. And, and the first being, figuring out how to price your your product. Because, I mean, I, I think early on, it's easy for entrepreneurs, if we don't dive into the math, we, we say, oh, well, the, and I still think it's important to look at the market, but oh, the rest of the market is pricing at about, right? At, right, and, and so we, we say, um, I think for, for you, your first, pair that that I saw at least was uh, it was it was a ten dollar pair and um, which is a very reasonable price but but then we, we have to think about as you had said every little detail that goes into the production of a pair of earrings and yeah. and I, I correct me if I'm wrong but I think you've increased your price since then correct yes right. Because you have accounted for for everything, so for us while we're young, to actually dive into the math, I think is important. Uh, as Gib, Gib helped you do another thing that you had mentioned was social media marketing and search engine optimization, and I think that's a something that a lot of student entrepreneurs are struggling with. Um, and I think, quite frankly, because it's so new uh, now, while we're probably more adept at social media marketing. SEO gets really difficult really quick mm -hmm. because um, you, you're not uh, you're not just working with keywords and phrases now. I mean, we're working with like long tail keywords, and you really have to do a lot of research to to figure out what in your market or your industry or even. Uh, at a micro level, your community is looking for when searching for similar types of products. Yeah, for sure. And the next one was, was branding. And I liked what you said about it's not always pushing your your product, right? You don't you don't want to just be on a social media marketplace saying buy this, buy this, buy this. But but you're right, you know, people it's often been said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. It was actually Simon Sinek really in his golden circle, is people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Now, whether you're, you're telling the why of your brand or the why of your product, it's important uh, to begin building that brand, even at an early stage and, and while being a student entrepreneur, because, it's, it's something that people can identify with. And especially for you selling a, 
a uh, selling jewelry, we think of it like a, an extension of ourselves, right? We wear jewelry, people wear jewelry to, to express themselves. Mm -hmm. I was working with a L'Oreal district sales manager one time and, and we were talking about cosmetics and I think a lot of people, they don't buy uh, makeup for, to, to, look, to look better. I don't, but I think inherently people buy makeup to feel better, right? Because looking better gives you confidence. And so they attach to a lot of their lines the, uh, this personality or this persona of like a hardworking, like eight to five woman who still had to go home and be a mom. And they called her, I believe it was like the workplace warrior. And that was their, their persona. And, and they aligned with that, right? And so I think that's important for exactly what you're doing as well. Um, building, a, building a brand around acute accents and then um, also, reaching out to your community and giving thanks back. Mm -hmm. right? As they've supported you, you want to continue to support them. I and mean, correct me, you actually just did a collaboration with a local coffee shop, correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. And so that, that's a great way to almost create this symbiotic relationship or the, this larger entrepreneurial ecosystem because now you, you'll be partnered with them for a while or at least have a working relationship with them for a while. Effective advertising, so being being concise, I think that's something that a lot of people um, miss is, is how do I present a message clearly and concisely and because right, I think a lot of the stuff that we see is is information dump. And yeah. we in our lives now just don't have the time to to absorb everything. And then market saturation. Yeah. I think you're completely right. Picking a, a certain set of products that, that work well for you and focusing on those, right? Because going back to really pricing, we when we consider our time, it's where is our time most valuable? What's our largest margin? Um, yeah. And so that, that's another really good lesson for young entrepreneurs to learn. We're going to come back to these because I, I want to talk about um, some advice that you have regarding maybe these items, because if they're challenges or roadblocks for you or were, uh, they're probably for many people. But my next question for you is, as a young entrepreneur, do you believe it is more difficult? Because I mean, I hate that this is the, the way that it is, but you may not be taken seriously. So because we are young, so do you believe it is more difficult being a young entrepreneur because some people may not take you as seriously as if you were um, a little bit older? I think there are definitely some challenges um, with, I guess, ageism. Um, and I think, you know, I think, so I've, I've done two projects, I guess. So for my, my mom challenge, I was 14 when I started doing it. And it was picked up by like NBC and, um, you know, it was on local news channels. 
And I remember my, my parents like hid those news posts from me because there were some comments. I actually, I, re I received some hate from that um, because I was challenging, you know, a Texas tradition by offering, um, you know, simple flowers instead of like huge mums um, as an option, not forcing anyone to do that. But um, especially because I was younger and I, I was just a freshman, did receive a lot of uh, feedback about that, that um, people were like, well, what do you know? Like, you're so young. Um, and it was really cool because even though there, there's noise, it didn't matter. I still, um, you know, the project was able to raise over $6,000 for charity, which I feel like is, is um, I don't know. I, I was able to, able to overcome whatever <laughs> people were saying about me and it was okay because people will talk, but it doesn't really matter because like they're not your customers, they're not your supporters. So you just, you don't need to listen to that. But um, I think in terms of my earring business, um, it's been a different challenge. I do think that sometimes people don't take me as seriously as I'd like to be taken because I am a woman and I'm selling jewelry. And I think that sometimes people think of it as like, I don't know, not as serious as like doing tech or something like um, STEM or some, I don't know, something more complicated, I guess. Um, and so there are definitely times where I think people will underestimate like the thought that goes behind um, what I make. But again, it doesn't really matter what people think of you. I think that you can still make a way for yourself by being uh, professional and by getting connected um, with the community because there, there will be people that will support you and believe in your mission. Um, and you just need to find those people and connect with them and they'll be able to help you, you know, do whatever you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, for sure, those, those things are definitely a bit of roadblocks, I guess, um, but it's okay. I think like you can rise above the, <laughs> the haters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's interesting. I mean, we see it a lot. I mean, even if you, you don't start your own business as a college student entering the workforce post-graduation, I mean, you're, you're not seen, uh, you're, you're seen as green. Um, and while we may be, we do have some unique experiences. I mean, every generation has some uniqueness and, and, and different capabilities, but because oftentimes we don't have the gray hair, uh, yeah. we're, we're not taking it seriously. And that's, that's okay uh, because it happens to everybody. But the flip side to that, I, I wanna ask you, how is being a student helped with your business? I think the resources the most. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think there there is there is wisdom that comes with age, but I think there's also wisdom that comes with experience. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I think I like to think that I'm someone that doesn't care that much what people think, and so I'll just do whatever I'm trying to do. Um, and I don't know. I don't like to let things stand in my way, so I. <laughs> I feel like it's been okay as a student entrepreneur, but I do think um, it's important to like, just, I guess, persevere and like, just push through. If you have an idea or a goal, like just keep working on it. Um, 
I think that as a student entrepreneur though, um, especially here at Baylor, I feel like the Waco community has a lot of young entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. which has been really cool to, um, to get to know those people and to be a part of that. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I, I have a collaboration now with Lalo's Coffee and Pastry, and also um, uh, my earrings are sold at Zigzag Galleries in Denison. Um, she's a young shop owner as well. Um, and so I think, yeah, the resources that you have on campus and with other students, like you don't get that kind of community once, I mean, you can you can find similar things in the real the real world, but I think <laughs> while, while you're a student, that's an awesome community to take advantage of and to be able to sell to because there are Facebook groups for like, you know, Baylor class of 2023. Like I can just go pop in there and be like, hey guys, I'm working on this thing. Um, and just in classes, like you meet so many people. So that's a great audience. And it's also um, a lot of those people have become friends um, and support when I was creating this business. Um, and people I, I still reach out to, to like model my earrings, um, to be brand ambassadors, which I created a program for that. Like um, those, those uh, connections are, are really valuable. And I think also just like the advice of your professors and um, local entrepreneurs, like that is super invaluable. Um, and so I feel like it's just been super great to be a part of Oso Launch because it's, you know, free advice, but free, I mean, I'm paying to be here, but <laughs> free in terms of the club, they're um, just giving me free business advice. Advice. So I think um, in that way, it is so nice, especially because it's an insulated community too. Like it, it's okay if you fail because you're just a student. This is not your, at least for me, it's not like a full-time job. I'm still a full-time student. So if it doesn't work, I'm not gonna be worried about like if I can put food on the table, which mm. you know I, I'm thankful to be in that position. Um, but I think that is why it's a great time to try out a venture and to allow it to grow into a project where it can put food on the table for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great it's a great time where to be experimental in that sense. Uh. Yeah, and, and you had mentioned, of course, you've mentioned Oats Launch a couple of times, uh, and then joining this this larger entrepreneurial network, that's very rewarding. And so I, I do want to ask, what are some of the other rewarding things that you found about student entrepreneurship? Um, I think what's really cool is, I guess, just to be able to, to know and get to know other student entrepreneurs. I think that's a really unique community because there's not too many people who are working on their own business while you know, students in college or high school. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really rewarding part of it is to be plugged in with those people and get to see their businesses grow from nothing to something um, and something even bigger. And I think also it is really fun because I think that you know people join Lots of organizations like you can join Greek Life or be a part of, um, you know, orchestra <laughs> or other organizations to create that community. But I think that the entrepreneurial community is is one in itself too, and I think that's really um, special and unique. And I just love being a part of it um, to just be supported by like-minded people who are constantly giving me feedback and um, helping me uh, to grow in terms of like where I sell my products and um, how I design them, just ideas for that kind of thing. 
Um, and so I think that's that's a really rewarding piece is being able to know people. And I think also selling locally at markets is super rewarding because I actually get to interact with people who are wearing my earrings and get to see them on the person. Because a lot of time with Etsy, like unless they leave a review with a photo, I don't really know <laughs> their thoughts on it. And so I think it's cool to interact with people in person and get to see their like decision process of like looking at all my products and deciding what they um, they want to wear. Um, I think that's really exciting and a, a special piece of being a student entrepreneur. Right, right, right. So as, as we kind of wrap up here, um, I, I, again, just want to say thank you, but what type of advice would you give to other students looking to start their own business? Um, I think first, it's really important to have, I guess it's important to create a clear mission or plan for yourself um, and establish that sort of brand. But I, I think what's most important is just persistence because a lot of times, yeah, there will be, be people who just invalidate your idea because you're young or you know for any reason and um it's important to just be annoying and just be persistent <laughs> and uh keep pushing it i think also uh you know persevere through those those struggles and just let yourself feel like that's a really important part of the process like it, it took me a long time before i got in the rhythm of understanding um what a week looks like for me um, with my earrings, like for a while, you know, if, if I look at my like Etsy trajectory, when I opened my shop in February, I had one sale that was really exciting for me. <laughs> and then, you know, it started to grow and I, I started to get used to like, how do I package things? And I created business cards. And I think that like, if you wait for everything to fall in place and for everything to be a hundred percent perfect before you launch your shop, that's never going to happen. And I think it's important to just start with what you have and start, you know, posting, start sharing, start creating that audience. It's okay if like the first few ones are like not your favorite. There are a lot of earrings that I'll put out and I'm like, I don't know if anyone's gonna like these. And then they end up being like bestsellers and I'm just surprised because it's not my taste. But <laughs> I think you just have to experiment and you, you can't wait for everything to be perfect, to have like the perfect hashtags and the perfect, you know, Etsy labels and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's just better to start somewhere and just build on that and grow from there. Like I didn't, I didn't have my business cards until seven or eight months after I started. Um, and honestly, I didn't even like have down like what my essential product, like my best sellers, like I didn't even know what those were <laughs> for a super long time until I kind of organized like, oh, people really seem to like this one. <laughs> and then I, I actually listed them on the website. But yeah, I think it's, it's totally okay if it also doesn't work. Like if you try it and you don't have, you know, a huge audience at first and, and people aren't buying or they don't like your stuff, it's totally okay. And you can just, you can adapt and you can change. And I, I think it's, it's important not to quit though, because I think you should give it at least a year to just see, can I make this work if I really give my best effort and I try? And sometimes the answer is no. And that's totally okay too. I, I made like, negative dollars with my American Girl Ball food. Like I, that was purely for fun. I was not making money on that. Um, 
and that's okay. I realize there is no audience for that and that's totally fine, but <laughs> but I think it's just important to, to try. Um, that way you can just say you did. It's important to have those experiences too. Um, and it, it never hurts just to put yourself out there and, and see what you can do. So that's what I would, I would say. Ellie, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us today. I, I enjoyed our conversation and we've just about run out of time for our first episode. So thank you for everybody listening. Join us back in two weeks for our next episode with Ellie where she will share about how you can take steps towards starting your own business as a student. Stay up to date with Venture Out by following our Instagram at Venture Out Podcast. Also, we're looking for sponsors for our next series. If you would like to sponsor uh, or be a sponsor for Venture Out, please reach out to us through our social media. Uh, sponsors help us stay online and provide us an opportunity to connect to all of you and our unique speakers. So again, Ellie, thank you for joining us and entrepreneurs, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. <laughs>